there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly know there are many other options out there for you to, to listen to for your spiritual needs or searching for Christ. And we are blessed that you have downloaded this and to listen to us. If you are new to the podcast, please, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. There you can find out a lot more information about us. There is a statement of faith there. There's a way of uh, going there. There's a prayer list request. If you're a prayer warrior, please, I'd encourage you to go there and check that out. We also have links to our social media accounts. We uh, also are on MeWe.com under the same name as this podcast, Biblical Question. And there we're posting some special things that we're only doing on MeWe. Uh, Facebook is becoming less and less friendly to us. In fact, they have removed several posts that we have made uh, over the last couple of months. They have removed several. It has to do with persecution of Christians around the world and in the United States. And so we are trying to use MeWe uh, more and more. I know Facebook is the uh, king of the hill when it comes to social media, and we do have a few followers there. But we're also trying to get uh, folks to uh, who are on MeWe to just to switch over there and and follow us. We do uh, have our podcast weekly. We make the effort to release it every Saturday morning uh, between uh, 7 a.m. and noon Chicago time. And we have listeners from all around the world that will help you uh, know about what time it is released in your time zone. You can also go back on our webpage there and listen to previous podcasts. There is a, a page there on the webpage that shows you all the different apps that we were on. And I am sure we're on more than just what we have listed. Uh, those are the ones we have just found. We're going to answer some questions today uh, that were submitted through our webpage from listeners just like you from all over the world. And you can use uh, the Contact Us page to make that request. If you have a question or a prayer request, please make sure you put in the subject line prayer request or uh, Bible question. We are just overloaded with spam. Uh, it's amazing how much uh, spam one can get. And so please make sure you do that. We don't want to miss your email if you have a prayer request or a Bible question. If you do have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up and follow along as we go through today's questions. If you do not have a Bible, they're on our webpage on the daily verse. You can click on that and it will take you to a webpage where you can view and read the Bible for free. In fact, I believe there's even an audio Bible there that you can listen to and they have different versions and different languages and they do not uh, support us we do not support them uh, in any financial ways we don't have any endorsements with them or anyone we are self-supporting and we are supported by listeners just like you and we are so thankful uh, for that we pray for our listeners each day uh, multiple times especially for those who are being persecuted we know that you have a very hard time and that that is becoming more and more of a reality as we go along. So our first question is from Katie. She doesn't say where she is from, uh, 
Uh, some people tell me where they're from and and, uh, and others do not. We uh, we always like to know where you're from, but that's not important. And her question is, has God sinned? I was recently baptized and I've been asked this by a friend. Well, the short answer is no. God has not sinned. He is perfect. He's holy in every way. And he says it in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that it is impossible for God to lie. Uh, so God is perfect. Uh, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, many times in the Bible, uh, complete holiness is attributed to God. Uh, the angels in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, uh, they just repeatedly say over and over again, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Uh, John wrote this message uh, that we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and repeats uh, this idea of holiness, truth, and purity that are in him, referring to Jesus. There is no darkness. Uh, that darkness would be sin, evil, or, or wickedness, depending on what word you want to use at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And that would be found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus was the Son of God, and one of the most strongest evidences of this fact is that he never sinned. He's in the body, he's in the flesh, he suffered every kind of temptation uh, that we've experienced, and yet he did not sin. And could he have sinned? A lot of people say, well, no, God couldn't sin. The statement is true. God cannot sin. There's a catch here. Jesus is in the flesh, and the flesh is subject to temptation. And those temptations would have been very real. I mean, here's Satan, the evil one. Uh, tempting Jesus. He's been fasting for 40 days and says, hey, I, I know you're God. Why don't you just make some bread over there out of those stones and eat it? Uh, that would have been a very real temptation, being hungry. And so we got to be careful when we say um, that Jesus was never really truly tempted. Yes, he was. But here's the catch here. He did not sin. We need to understand uh, our weaknesses and we need to ask and be in prayer that God will help us overcome those temptations. And the biggest way, honestly, to do that is prayer, and fasting, and reading the Bible. And so I would encourage all of my listeners to read the Bible daily. Um, you know, a 10-minute, 15-minute sermon at, at church, whatever you get, 45 minutes some places. You know, you really need to be in the Word of God each and every day. And so, uh, Jesus could not have been that perfect Lamb of God dying on a cross for our sins if he had sinned. And so, if he had not been tempted, uh, Jesus would not be under understand uh, our weaknesses and the struggles that we go to. And if he would have yielded to those temptations and sinned, again, he could not have paid the price for our sins. And you can read about that in Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 5. So again, I appreciate, Katie, for your study and God's Word, that you're a baptized person in the church. 
We uh, pray that uh, things will continue to go well for you, that you'll continue to study and stand firm, and that you have found a great place to worship. Our next question is from Jacqueline, and Jacqueline is from Dallas. And I want to thank you too, Jacqueline, for your interest in, in listening to the podcast. And her question is, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus was related to Joseph of Arimathea? I've looked, but I cannot find it. I know uh, I've been told this. Well, actually, Jacqueline, there is no mention anywhere in the New Testament of Jesus being related to Joseph of Arimathea. The father of Jesus, uh, the earthly father, his name was Joseph, and you can find that he was married to Mary in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25. But the apostle, that, or disciple I should say, excuse me, uh, who buried Jesus in his own tomb in Matthew chapter 27 was from a village of Arimathea, and that's why we call him Joseph of Arimathea. That's the town he was from. And that would be approximately 20 miles northwest of Jerusalem. So again, Jacqueline, uh, thank you very much for your question and that you are a weekly listener. We're, we're thankful for you. Okay, our next question comes from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, the question is here, I don't, Dixie. Okay, Dixie asks, uh, Jesus isn't mentioned uh, in the book of Esther. Why? Well, Jesus isn't mentioned. Uh, honestly, the answer is most of the uh, 39 books of the Old Testament, Jesus is not mentioned. And so I, I think probably you've heard that God was not mentioned in the book of Esther. While this is simply true, uh, the, the name Elohim and the other Hebrew words for God uh, are not there, uh, there is an absence of, of direct reference, worship, and prayer, and sacrifice uh, in this time of Ruth. Uh, rest assured, the Jews are doing those things, even though they uh, may not be able to do the sacrifices with the temple, they're in exile. Uh, they, they definitely would have been in their synagogue praying and doing things along that line. And so, again, the book does talk about or leave you with the impression that God is a sovereign ruler in every place. It doesn't matter what part of the globe that you are living. The presence of God is, is, is seen everywhere and in every point in the whole story of Esther. It is clearly not a secular type book. It is a deep spiritual book and one really worth studying and seeing the providence of God working. The purpose and the nature of the book of Esther does not really require that God be mentioned by name. So perhaps also leaving out the name made the book less um, objectable to the Medes and the Persians in which Esther, and that's where she's living, was a foreign person being from a, a Jew. And so perhaps that's why. But you can see God at work. Uh, the persecution against the Jewish people for their beliefs, uh, the hatred that uh, 
particularly one man, Haman, has for the Jewish people. And he does not realize that Esther is a Jew. She's been keeping that secret. And that of all the women that were chosen to be a queen, it would be Esther, a, a true believer in God. And because of her faith and belief in God, she's able to save uh, her people being in the position that she is in. You know, Esther really, if you study the book really closely, you'll get the picture as well. She spent a lot of time being trained uh, by the eunuchs on how to properly approach the king, how to dress, uh, what not to do, you know, no rubbing your nose or scratching yourself or whatever. And she had this training with the idea that she probably would only be in the king's presence once in her entire life. Uh, obviously, she is chosen to be queen, so that in the end, that would not necessarily be uh, true. But she goes into this not knowing that. And we have a lifetime of training and studying and reading the Word of God so that one day we all will become uh, in the become into into the presence of the King of Glory, Jesus, uh, for judgment, and so there will be this etiquette that how you approach a king. Uh, those who live in America, perhaps even Canada, you know, we don't know what it's like to live under a king or queen type uh, dictator type ship or a leadership, and so you know we can talk good or bad about our president and but in under a king you may not be able to do that it may not be acceptable you might find yourself in a little bit of trouble and with a king whatever he says that's law and it cannot be broken those laws cannot be broken not even by the king himself under the democracy types place uh, the republic that we live in in the united states uh, the president, he can sign executive orders, the Supreme Court can overturn laws, and so on. And so laws can change in how they're enforced or not enforced uh, as time goes along. And so, uh, again, we as Christians need to understand we're just passing through this world. Our home is not here. There's an old gospel song along that line as well. So I want to thank you again for your question. Uh, the book of Esther is a very good book to study and read. And uh, again, to see the providence of God at work and the suffering that people are going through. And really, at the end, God has been in complete control the whole time. And it's kind of the theme of the book of Revelation as well. Uh, the great persecutions that's going on that John would write about. But at the end of the book, it's exactly where God wanted everything to be. He has always been in control. And so, again, thank you for listening and for your question. The next uh, question is a, a kind of an interesting uh, question and a good one. And so... I will try to answer it the best I can here. It's, the question uh, is from Germany. Do all the books of the Bible have some meaning? For example, I know Genesis means beginning. Well, yes. Uh, 
The titles of the books of the Bible all have a, some kind of a special meaning. Uh, some bear the name or the main event or theme of that book. Uh, some of them bear the name and, and the writer or the principal character in that book. Uh, others either bear that person's name to whom the book was or letter was sent to for like an epistle in the New Testament. Some are, are named after a location or a city or a region uh, like Galatia. Uh, the following here, maybe we can have some breakdown here. Uh, themes and, and titles, like example in the Old Testament. A Genesis, as you stated, does mean beginning. Exodus uh, means a departure or leaving from Egypt. Uh, numbers would be what we would call a census today, a census of the Israelites. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, telling something, uh, uh, the second telling of the law of Moses. Uh, the judges, those who sat and judged and over Israel as a nation. Uh, first and second kings or the kings of Israel. Mainly uh, they talk about uh, David and uh, Solomon. And so... Um, and, and of course they mention the other kings but first and second chronicles would be the records and the history of Israel up to that point uh, the book of Psalms would be poems and, and songs uh, Proverbs would be wise sayings Ecclesiastes is wise sayings of the preacher uh, the Song of Solomon is a love story between a husband and a wife. Uh, in the New Testament, the book of Acts would be the actions or uh, the history of the apostles. Uh, Revelation would be uh, the vision that John the Apostle has of, of heaven. In the Old Testament as well, the Arthur or, or the principal character, uh, Leviticus would be the rules for the Levite priest. Uh, example now would be Joshua, Ruth, First uh, and Second Samuel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Isaiah, all the way through Malachi. Uh, we're about those particular people and events in their life. Uh, in the New Testament, you have the writers of the gospel accounts with their name, including the epistles. First uh, and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, Jude, James, and of course uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So uh, there's a person uh, or, or location to whom a book or letter was sent, and generally that's going to be a New Testament thing, where uh, the Book of Romans uh, through Second Thessalonians. I mean, this is where people uh, that those letters were sent to, those epistles as we call them, were sent to. First uh, and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and Hebrews uh, would be people, again, individuals. And so, that's a very good question, and why we have uh, the names of the Bible the way we do. And so, I really appreciated that. I've had many stop think for just a moment of why that was uh, be so, and now we all know. So thank you again for listening. I, I really appreciate uh, the question. And I don't know if I've been asked that before. If I have, it's been a long, long time. Over the 25 years of ministry, um, you get asked a lot of things. So again, thank you for your interest in the podcast. I certainly 
hope that you'll continue to listen there in, in Germany. Okay, our final and last question comes from uh, Wyoming. And the question is, why did the people throw their clothing and branches in the path while Jesus was passing? Well, this would be uh, found in uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40, and then John chapter 12, starting in verse 12 and following. And this would be what is commonly referred to as the uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And that would be the week of Jesus, his death, and as it's recorded. And when they're laying out the coats and the branches and the roadway just ahead of Jesus, this would have been uh, a cultural thing. It was a sign uh, of victory. It was uh, praise. It was a celebration. It was a way uh, the people of the day uh, were welcoming in their king or Messiah into the city. And so that's what they're crying out as they, as they uh, do this. So that's... Uh, hope that answers your question uh, there in Wyoming. And here we have a question from uh, John. He says, uh, in the King James Bible, the New King James Bible, I read scripture says some things require prayer and fasting. But in other versions of the Bible, the word fasting was omitted. Why and how is that important? And so, I'm going to operate off this uh, idea that you have in mind, the account of, of the mute boy uh, who was possessed by a demon or an evil spirit. And the disciples uh, of Jesus, the apostles, they've been trying to cast out this demon, but for whatever reasons that you might want to lay out, they're not able to do it. And so, but here's Jesus, he, he comes upon the situation, and what does Jesus do? He casts out the demon. And this story is actually recorded in all three uh, gospel accounts, uh, not counting John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, uh, Mark chapter 9, and Luke chapter 9. As often is the case with the writers in the life of Jesus, uh, they tell the same story, uh, but they, they differ a little bit in details. And this is not unusual even in our society today. If you would go to a, a major news event and there's a lot of people there, you're going to get uh, different views of what had occurred. And that's why uh, the police, they ask all the witnesses for their statements. And that gives them a more complete picture of probably what really happened. Uh, we all see things a little different. Uh, we interpret things a little different. Maybe how we were raised, our educational levels, culture, whatever. And so putting all that together um, helps get a more complete picture uh, for, the, for the court or whatever. And so that's kind of why we have a little bit of different uh, account recording of different events are the same story in the gospel accounts. This is, uh, does it make it less reliable? Or does it make it a, a, a false 
uh, recording it's just again a view of this and so uh, again there's no contradiction the story of this boy uh, who's possessed you will find that there is considerable differences actually and Mark gives the most detail about the boy's condition before, during, and after this miracle. And Luke's account is the shortest of all three. It's very brief. And only Matthew will say uh, anything about prayer and fasting. So you only have one out of the three in the same version that would be using this. And so Matthew 17, 21 says, But this kind is not go out except by prayer and fasting. But this uh, verse only appears in the New King excuse me in the King James Version and the New American Standard Version. And if you have a, a, a good study Bible, the footnote in the New American Standard says early manuscripts do not contain this verse. And this is probably why uh, the verse has been omitted from the uh, New, Inter New International Version, the NIV, and maybe a few of the others. Okay, Mark's account says uh, 9.29, And he said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Uh, this verse does not appear in the older, uh, more reliable uh, transcripts. So based on what we know at this point in time is that Jesus did not say fasting was necessary for his disciples to perform this miracle. And something I kind of want to point out uh, the different things and versions and it is this you really need to read the preface of your Bible. Is this your version that you use trying to do a word-for-word literally word-for-word -word translation from the original uh, text. Is it using uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls as a reference? Is it using uh, much older uh, transcripts that were found? You know, some of these versions, especially the older ones, don't necessarily use the the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in, in I believe, the 1940s. And so, and, and the Dead Sea Scrolls in themselves have been interesting studying. The most preserved, uh, closest written to the time events than the other versions use. And so, the more modern or more closer, maybe, perhaps, to the text. And I know uh, there's going to be a few that will send me an email and argue. And that's your privilege to do so. But the preface of your Bible is so important. I mean, is it is it doing a figurative? Is it doing a word for word? Is it trying to do somewhere in the middle? And, you know, you can go online and, and do a simple search with your search engine or go down to your local Christian bookstore, and more than likely they're going to have a chart there, and you will see uh, the English level. I can't speak for versions outside of English, so please forgive me here. I know like the King James Version, the New American Standard Version, those are 12th grade English reading level Bibles. The NIV, for an example, is a 7th grade English reading Bible, and it's, uh, I believe the English Standard Version is somewhere between the 7th grade and 10th grade level, 
if my memory serves me correctly. Most newspapers, most news articles, even on the internet, are written in a 6th, 7th grade English level. And this is why the NIV is so popular. It's because they, you can read it and most people understand the words. It doesn't use uh, anything that most people in the English language today would misunderstand. The King James Version has words that have no more meaning in an English culture today in America. They'd have to go look those things up in a dictionary to find out what they really mean. And again, you can find that kind of information on the internet. I'm not going to go in detail here with it. I am not trying to bash the King James Version at all. I just know that in the past when I've studied with uh, different cultures and groups, that version is a very hard version for the people to read and understand especially when English is not their first language. Uh, the deaf culture, uh, the English version for the deaf is a very good uh, translation, but it's a second grade English level, and that's okay. Uh, that's what, there's uh, sign language for that that you can easily sign if you know sign language. Uh, the King James Version is very difficult, and I've tried to use it uh, in studies with deaf people, and it just makes it really hard. And so, the best version, really, I think, is the one that you can clearly understand and read. If you're going to be technical about things, uh, and you really think that a certain version is superior, well, good for you. Perhaps maybe we need to learn and read Hebrew and Greek and read the original text. And there are versions, you can do that. You can buy uh, a Bible with the original languages in it. And so... Uh, you can get an interlinear that uh, has the original Greek and Hebrew in it and kind of off to the side. It's really a broken English. And anybody who knows uh, two or three languages know that some words simply are not in another language or does not interpret well. For example, I know sign language. There is a, a really beautiful song. Uh, Catholics and Protestants both sing it. And as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And there's a, a line in there that says uh, that you're in the apple of my eye. Well, I understand what that means, but there, in sign language that makes zero sense. And so you would sign it, uh, the favorite of my eye. You're my favorite. You know, so that's really what that means. And so trying to make the point here we need to understand and be able to read the word of God and the best version I would say is the one that you can read and understand uh, do I have favorites of course I do do I have some that are I'm less um, thrilled about yes and do I read them and use them sure I want to know why those people and those interpreters left that certain word in, or put it out, whatever. Why did they word it that way? And then you get in, and I love word studies, getting into the word studies, finding the original Greek words, and what does that mean? Why do they interpret it that way? And so, that's kind of a long answer to, to your question, perhaps. And I went over a little bit uh, with an extra question. And that's okay. I, I really enjoy the question and answers of the podcast. I, I get lots more hits 
and listens to the questions and answers. And uh, if you have a question, uh, please submit it through uh, our webpage at biblicalquestion.com and you can do that through the contact page. Uh, please, if you're a prayer warrior, uh, go to uh, the uh, page there. There is a prayer request page. I know that doesn't change as often. Uh, we don't get a lot of requests, but when we do, we usually leave it up. Most of those prayer requests that come from foreign countries where they have to go and pay by the hour to get on the internet. I mean, most people in the Western world do not understand that unless you have traveled abroad. So please, please pray for these folks. There's a lot of persecution going on. Uh, there's lots of brothers and sisters in Christ uh, behind the lines in Afghanistan. We need to be praying for them. Uh, we're trying to post that kind of stuff on MeWe as we learn about the different uh, things that are going on. And so the church as whole is persecuted around the world. It's just more heavy in certain parts. And so even in America, uh, Christians are being persecuted, uh, called names, uh, Bible thumpers, whatever. And we may not think much about it because we hear it so much. It really doesn't mean anything to us. But really, we should rejoice that we're being persecuted if we're being called uh, different things along those lines. Uh, persecution, I believe, will get worse and worse even in America unless us as Christians stand up, go out and vote, and demand to be heard. Well, that is all I have. Again, I want to thank you all for listening, especially to those today uh, who had taken time to submit their questions. I hope I have answered them uh, and it will help you and encourage you. And please keep listening. Hit that like button and make sure you follow us. Uh, that way you get an alert on your favorite uh, podcasting app, however you listen to us. And that way, each week, you know that we have released one. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory. Music